and welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. Um, Phil, it's me and Phil today, the, the, the dream team. We're, we're both in the office. It's amazing. How are you doing, Phil? Very well. Thank you, Andrew. And always delighted to be here. Yeah, well, I have been running around a lot recently. And actually, uh, uh, yesterday, uh, we both actually were together, but not in the office, but down in Chiswick, which is obviously where I live, but at the Mellow uh, Investor event, which was actually really good, wasn't it? I thought it was super. Um, you know, good number of companies were there, some excellent speakers, including your good self and uh, and Andy Boss from Schroeder's was talking, companies presenting and lots of investors there. So it's good to see. Um, yeah, I may. Actually, you know what? I, I feel an absolute idiot. I, I spend my life telling companies when they present not to have too many slides, keep it short, plenty of time for questions. I had 30 minutes to speak and I ran out of time. I, I, <laughs> don't listen to my own advice. What a fool I am. But um, if, if anybody listened to this, happened to listen to my talk yesterday, about 100 people, believe it or not, were listening. Quite why, I have no idea. Um, feel free to contact me directly and I'm happy to take questions. Um, but the key to it all to me is uh, name me one company, Phil, you met down at Mellow that you thought that's really interesting. Or do you want to keep it to yourself so that nobody knows? Yeah, I'm going to keep it secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just tempting listeners. Aren't you? <laughs> anyway, look, let's let's turn to some of the sort of news and things that have been going on this week. And I guess um, actually on the sort of big picture, uh, we won't mention Partygate because, of course, the government's trying to cover that all up with the windfall tax. Now, look, I have a personal view. I think windfall taxes are completely wrong. Um, you know, it's just unfair because companies have good times and bad times. Uh, they pay when they have a good time, they pay a huge amount of tax to the government. They pay a huge amount of uh, dividend or something to their shareholders. They reinvest it. A windfall tax is just fundamentally wrong. And my own belief is that if Rishi Sunak, as our chancellor, is putting a windfall tax onto the oil companies, then actually I know uh, uh, a pair of people who also made super normal profits uh, recently and made about £750 million. It's called Mr and Mrs Sunak. And my view is if he imposes a windfall tax on the oil companies, he should actually impose a windfall tax on himself of half a billion pounds. And that maybe would be fair. Um, so, Rishi, just in case you listen to this podcast, get your wallet out, your checkbook, and write to the write a check for half a billion pounds to the UK government, and that will help everybody's with their bills. That's an excellent suggestion, and I couldn't agree with you more on your overall view. That yeah. how on earth can companies plan ahead with their you know huge capital expenditure budgets over years when they don't know what is going to come out in terms of their tax? Uh, it is actually totally, totally absurd. Um, but on that note, it's worth commenting. One of the stocks, which also reported this week, by the way, um, that they are uh, that they've talked a little bit about, should we say, uh, paying windfall tax because they they didn't just do it for the oil and gas. They then said, look, the energy company should do it too because they've been making super normal profits. Uh, and it was quite interesting. SSE, which is a stock that I've owned for some time, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, um, and they had results yesterday actually. Um, they look pretty good. But what I found really fascinating, they, they pointed out that they contributed £5.8 billion to UK GDP in a year. They support over 45,000 jobs in the UK. Um, you know, actually, that's what it's all about. 
All right, these companies actually are helping the country anyway. Don't go and mess it all up. Um, actually, the results from SSE were pretty good. Uh, and of course, with the full year dividend they're paying, uh, you've got a 5% yield or so at today's price. The only problem I would say is I know that when I bought them, I set myself a target price of um, £20. Uh, so when they reach £19.20, I was thinking, oh, blimey, have I got to get out now? Um, then Rishi came along, not bloody price. Um, they're bouncing up a little bit. Um, obviously, you've got Elliott advisors there. They are doing all the right things. And I do have this hugely strong belief that actually what Shell should do is buy SSE. It would make a fantastic acquisition for them. Uh, so I'm probably going to hold on to my stock for the time being. But it is sort of up near to my target price. So that is just one slight cautionary word. I don't know if you had a look at the figures or have got any views, Phil? I, I looked at the figures but briefly as we were out and troubling a lot yesterday, but um, I think my thing, because I've been looking at this as well, I mean, it is yielding 5%. And if you sit right now where we are in the markets looking five years out on something for an investment right now, then it's it's a really, I, th I still think it's a you know, longer term. It's a bloody, very interesting one, really interesting play. And as you say, there is that, you know, maybe it does become a target. Who knows? But it's good quality business. I mean, the whole um, offshore wind farm industry is absolutely booming. And there's a lot of people looking at it from all sorts of different angles. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, one of the big things that's been happening is uh, Siemens Energy are taking over Siemens Gamesa Renewable Energy. They already owned about 60 or 70 percent of it or something. Uh, but they're taking it out, out completely. Of course, Siemens Gamesa Renewable Energy are huge manufacturers of of wind turbines and, and you know the actual thing that they, they put in place yeah. uh, and you just wonder what Siemens energy will now get up to there you know will they actually start to move down into a more vertically integrated channel and that sort of thing and actually try and you know s just building wind wind turbines maybe isn't the most profitable of businesses particularly as obviously there's a limit to what you can do uh, unless you're actually building more wind farms it could be quite interesting to, I think that's a really interesting move by Siemens energy uh, and I do see potentially some sort of, you know, upstream and downstream plays coming out of that. I don't know if you have a view yeah. on that. But. Yeah, we have. Well, we haven't kind of seen that before with big industrials, whereby they're manufacturing the equipment, but also have got the potential for making money out of the end use of the equipment, and and the, you know, and and the opportunity for margins and margin growth from doing that could be a lot higher than just, you know developing and selling the hardware itself it's mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a theme it's a theme to watch that i think the other big company to watch that's that's doing a little bit of this as well is i don't know if you looked at what lockheed martin are doing um they actually moved into long duration energy storage but unfortunately they completely messed it up and got the wrong product that isn't working but they clearly have i mean we obviously think of lockheed martin as an aircraft manufacturer yeah. Um, but they clearly have huge ambitions in long-duration energy storage. They just don't know how to do it. Going back to wind farms, though, by the way, I don't know if you saw, obviously you wrote that wonderful note. It was wonderful on picks and shovels and how to play the energy transition mm. um, thing with, with the little companies that aren't directly energy transition but involved in it. I see yeah. that on the wind farm side, Tecmar just won a very big contract for offshore uh, wind cabling in the U.S., I, yes, I did see that. Uh, yeah, good for them. We uh, like Tecmar. They're just based too far bloody north for me to go and visit. 
Oh my, well, I don't know what. I'm not going to comment on that, Andrew. But uh, no, good, good for them. And the U.S., you know, off, off, offshore U.S. is a very good place to be and a good, good foot in the door for them. Yeah. No, I think they're doing all the right things. Um, now, look, I tell you what. The other one that we probably uh, need to have a little bit of a chat about. Uh, that's been big news this week. Um, is that Johnson Massey had their results today. Um, but also we had news that they had sold off basically, well, we knew they were closing down their battery division, which they'd spent 140 million on. No one wanted to buy it as a division, but we've, what's come and happened is that somebody's basically bought the rump for basically nothing. Uh, and so got what I described as 140 million pound business for nothing. And of course that's a company, another company that we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is Nano One uh, Technology run by a guy called Dan Blondell, who's, who's an absolute genius when it comes to batteries. I've actually been to Vancouver, visited his plant, seen all of how he's doing everything. Um, and actually, yesterday after he announced this deal, his share price was up 46%. Shows what an amazing deal he got. Um, uh, and then Johnson Matic, of course, had their figures this morning. I don't know if you had a chance to look through them. I mean, um, let's hear your view before I give you my view. Oh, look, they, they've got a new chief exec in, so clearly things aren't going to happen as he, um, you know, puts his, puts his prints on the, on, on the business. But the financial results, um, do you know what, I haven't got them in front of me, but from memory were a bit mixed. Um, they've, got, uh, they've got quite big exposure to the automotive markets. Um, and they took sort of two big challenges there. Obviously, semiconductors continue to, you know, restrain automotive output, but it's a sort of twin thing. One, new auto numbers are going to be reduced uh, for, for their catalytic um, technology. But second hand, it was interesting to see the second hand markets had a bit of an impact as well. Because second hand, you know. But not as many sort of second-hand cars are getting getting recycled and stuff, so that's sort of its own sort of impact. But I think I, I thought it was a bit of a mixed bag of figures. It, it was, you know what? It was a mixed yeah. bag. When I started reading it, they seemed to be saying lots of is you know upbeat stuff. Yeah, dividend was up ten percent, seventy-seven p. But then I kept reading it, and I, I was starting to read things like you know for 2022-23, they said we are facing a period of greater political and economic uncertainty with a combination of factors that may affect the year ahead. Mm. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Alarm mm. bells ringing. Alarm bells ringing. Then he goes on. Our performance for the full year will continue to correlate closely to levels of auto production, as you said, and precious metals. And and here's the issue also with hydrogen. Hydrogen is, is it's very difficult to make money actually out of hydrogen. It's taking longer than certainly most governments would like because they love going hydrogen, hydrogen, hydrogen because it's such a great story. And then at the very end, they sort of started saying things like, consequently, when you have a consequently in a study, <laughs> and now it's not going to be good news. Consequently, we expect a larger operating loss in 2023 yeah. in hydrogen. Yeah. As a result, whilst visibility is low and the outcome for the year remains uncertain, we currently expect operating performance to be in the lower half of the consensus range. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what? I mean, clearly the new CEO, bit of kitchen sinking, you've got to expect that. Um, the yeah. market was disappointed today, though. Uh, yeah. Stock's off, what is it, 165, it's off today. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's after it had a pretty good sort of run up, actually, from about 1822. So it's now sitting around 21, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, Johnson Matt is the sort of stock I would love to say I want to buy it. But I'll tell you what, 
it ain't going anywhere in the next six months. So unfortunately, you probably don't need it. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. It, it well, it well, it is, of course, it is. But it, this will be one what you take a close look at. Say, I'm going to buy now and have it for have it for the next four or five years. I mean, what was interesting and the difference here is the SSE announcement was the speed of the bounce back. People thought about it, thought about the potential impact, and thought, hmm, why not be all that bad? Yeah, a different, two different tales there for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure I would buy it quite yet. So I, I think you've got a bit of time. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, clearly the big, I mean, if you look at the three top holders, it's BlackRock with 10%, Schroeder's with 5.7, and Threadneedle with 5%. Those sort of people, they have to just sit on positions because they're really so difficult for them to trade them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, for a small person, a high net worth, no, I, I would wait and watch. Yeah. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Now, talking of hydrogen, by the way, I don't know if you saw, um, I think it was this morning, actually, um, that Airbus are going to build a new research facility, which will have a good look at hydrogen, uh, at Filton in Bristol, um, because they're trying to hit this whatever zero something by um, everybody's trying to hit a zero something aren't they just please don't make it vsa we want a zero profits by 2035 that is not my view <laughs> but they want to yeah they're building it for 2035 um which i think uh is it i find that interesting actually because actually the uk is definitely developing quite a, a strong skill set in hydrogen um and that's why they're basing it at filton They've got. They also build the. Uh, don't they build the wings for the Airbus down there? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good law. That's good news for our engineering as well. And the, you know, John, the nice thing about these is when you see multinationals doing this kind of thing in this country and it's leading edge development, all those engineers they all get trained up, uh, and they become the, could become the companies of the future as well. So that's no, that's nice. That's good news, Andrew. That's good. Yeah. No, it was nice to see, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. Actually, well, funny. Whilst whilst talking about big investments might as well carry on talking on a theme why not whilst we've got we've got a theme going always quite good i saw that and i don't know if you saw it, it was a bit of a funny little one um and i need to um St- i don't know if you know stellantis and samsung right have jointly announced i think it was yesterday that they're going to build a two and a half billion dollar battery plant in the u.s they're going to build it in indiana Hey, I'm not seeing that one. Whoa. Yeah, they're doing it in sort of conjunction with Chrysler um, to help yeah. Chrysler move, obviously, from, you know, a combustion engine to electricity. Yeah. Um, they hope to open it in about 2025. Um, it's quite interesting. I mean, it really is, I think, the first move by Asian companies building a major battery plant in the US. And I, I, I mention this really because it's something I've been looking at quite a lot. People may remember that I... Uh, uh, about two months ago, went out to Hot Springs, Arizona, and a lot of that was connected with American battery plants and this sort of thing. There is a real move in America at the moment that you've got to be a, an American company with American manufacturing selling to American customers. And if you are, the American government will give you a huge, great grant and pretty much pay for everything. Um, and I think we are going to see more and more of this people actually saying, right, we're going to build production and capability in America. Um, so, and this was another sign of it, if you saw me, it's a really key point. Um, I think, again, uh, I, I'm going to bring in one of our favourite companies, of course. I, by the way, for all this, I apologise, the stock has been 
performing really badly recently, which I think is unfair, but that's markets for you. But Invinity Energy Systems, they were at the Mellow event yesterday. Uh, obviously, that's why I was in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And, um, you know, here's a company they announced they appointed EAS advisors uh, the other day to help them in America. This is a company that's probably going to start to make itself look very American. For all we know, they could end up with American production selling to American companies. Well, they'll be selling to the California Energy Commission because California Energy Commission has made it absolutely clear it wants vast amounts of non-lithium energy storage. And that means it's got to be vanadium flow. Uh, and if they do all of that, you would think that maybe the US government might give them a loan of $100 million to build it all. But who knows? What would I know? We we will see. But it's interesting how this this move is is, is happening, Andrew, for... Um... Because I, you know, I can remember like the 80s, it was all about multinationals putting their production as close to the customer as they could. Um, you know, that's why the Japanese came over, the big Japanese manufacturers and into Europe electronics plants. But now this is that the States and what's happening in the US and the fact that Samsung have moved, you know, as a huge battery manufacturer, and obviously good, you know, good for Infinity and what they're doing over there. But that is a very interesting move. Wow. Um, yeah, caught my eye, caught my yeah. eye. Um, anyway, um, right, uh, what else have we got going on, Phil? We probably, have, I don't know, yep. that, I mean, there's that many results of the business. Well, go on, I'll ruffle through a three. Right, quickly, still on the theme of batteries, Gresham House Energy Storage Fund. Oh, yeah. Red uh, is a ticker on this one, um, and they have announced a fundraise, uh, raising a further 150 million pounds. Um, which they placed at uh, 145p per share. Now, this is a fund, and their NAV in March was 132p per share, um, and they've given expectations on their NAV, but they've got a big installed base um, of uh, batteries, um, and they have said da -da -da, uh, due diligence well underway for 647 megawatts of capacity in the UK and Island, but that is a way, another way of getting exposure to the to the uh, the battery side of things, energy storage in the UK. Well, I mean, it tells you, doesn't it, just um, how strong uh, energy storage is. But uh, I think, as most people know, look, these funds are pretty good. Basically, they are. They, they pretty much do as they say on the tin. But I am concerned, that, and I, I really do need to try and find this out once and for all, that what they're not putting into their council balance sheet or whatever is provisions for decommissioning mm -hmm. trying to get rid of a lithium-ion battery is very expensive um and i'm not convinced that they've allowed for that and therefore at some stage they may suddenly get a bloody great hit um we really must try and find out if i'm correct here but i mean i've had no, i've been saying it for a while and oh, no one has yeah. come to me and said actually you know what andrew you're completely wrong um which tends to make me think that i'm right well, we need to we need to find out. I tell you what, you look at the decommissioning costs on nuclear reactors, um, and decommissioning costs on any kind of big installed energy source is a is an important factor. So yeah, we're interesting to find that out, Andrew. If anybody listening knows the answer, do please give me a buzz and tell me. There we there we are. So so that's storage. The bit there have been a few tech results, Andrew. Do you want to just wrap yeah, up? go for it. So, go for it. Yeah, we had um, four-year results from Calnex. Um, so there's CLX's ticker, 140 million market cap, uh, and they uh, produce uh, test instrumentation 
and solutions for let's say network synchronization network emulation well what's it all about this is all about testing telecoms network so you're trying to by emulating repeating the signals and what might be seen in the field very important for telecommunications equipment makers um, and they have been seeing strong growth in sales uh, and a lot of this has been driven by you know on 5g but also um, you know, general growth in the internet infrastructure as we're all using more and more bandwidth up. Uh, the revenues were up 23%, which was all very good. And their adjusted profits before tax were up 18% to 6 million. Closing cash of 15 million. Um, um, so an increase their customer numbers, but does seem to be going well. And they had a positive market outlook as well. So I thought that was good. Uh, a good story, um, but there's been quite quite a few. These are interesting. These are IT um, services companies. Uh, and what do they do? Well, I mean, IT services companies, they can do all sorts of things. They can provide lots and lots of different bits of, uh, uh, you know, if you're increasing the amount of software that you're using as a business, they will source best in breed software from all the software providers. They'll provide you with cloud services, IT equipment, security, IT security, um, and SoftCat is one of those companies, SCTS, uh, that's 2.8 billion. And they had their third quarter results to April. Um, and they were saying this was a trading update that performed well during a period uh, delivering double digit year on year growth in revenue, gross profit and operating profit. Um, and they said that supply, the supply situation, so this will be for a lot of computing and IT related equipment, remains challenging, but consistent. So not getting, uh, not necessarily getting any worse. But what's quite interesting about Andrew is this is all business spend, right? On IT services, uh, increasing you know, digitalization, increasing productivity, but it's business spend related. Um, and they're still seeing that reasonably positive. And another one in the space was Bytes Technology, BYIT, and they are their full year. Uh, results and again this is IT services cloud mm. services security software licensing etc um, and then their full year to February they'd seen their revenues up 14 percent uh, to 450 million very interesting something we always look at this was discussed yesterday at the investor show their gross margins increased from 23 just under 23 percent to 24 percent we always look out for gross margins, of course, because that's an indication of pricing power and how they're managing, um, you know, increases in their own cost base. And their earnings were up by, by 60%. Well, you need to look at how the profits are made up, but the, but their data earnings have grown. But again, um, they had quite a decent, um, you know, outlook uh, for their business. That's IT services, and the one was Kanos, as well, which we've called as well as KNOS. Uh, and they have their full year uh, results. The shares were up 18% on a day, and they've been falling. They were down, being down about 30% during this year. Um, but again, they, they saw their revenue growth of 29%. Um, their profits were up only by about 3%, but they said that they've been investing quite heavily in operations and taking on uh, more staff. And their, their revenue split 41% commercial, 37% public sector, and 22% healthcare. Um, but the commercial revenues, this caught me, commercial revenues were up over 50% during the period. So again, you know, spend still seems to be uh, continuing when it comes to sort of overall tech and tech services for business to improve business productivity. It's interesting that, but I mean, you do wonder, I mean, obviously tech, you need, it's, it's sort of something you can't not 
well, you can't stop spending on to a certain extent. But, you know, as as it's going to get tough as we go through the year for businesses, you know, the question is, will they actually start to say, actually, you know what, we, we might not spend quite so much? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know if you ever feel. Uh, well, we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it yet. Um, no, the question I mean, is, will we see it? Yeah, well, that's yeah. No, 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 no. Because I'm just thinking because po- post well, when Lehman's, you know, when Lehman's occurred, the crash, though, I think there was quite a a degree of it was quite a sudden thing you know it was relatively quick wasn't it and very quickly companies turned around and cut you know not just operating expenditure and things like this um but capital expenditure um and we're not seeing that as you say yet but yes of course it could of i think in the autumn we might well start to see mm. some capex going down yeah. um yeah yeah well, a, i mean what's good is I, i'll tell you what i picked up which is which is not um it's it's not it spend like that and it has lots of little little bits of business we say it's rs group do you look at that one no go on ah, i caught just, you out i love it when i catch you out you did. You right, so rs group had some figures this week um and uh actually they they said their trading continues to be very strong in the first seven weeks of the year as well so things are still going pretty well um they've got a, a good inventory availability which is robust um Average order value has increased further, which obviously helps. Um, they, they, they uh, you know, they're a distributor of basic electronic products and things like that. Um, they did sort of say that the, it's all looking pretty positive going forward, except for Asia Pacific. Um, but they then said that actually that's only less than two percent of their turnover, so they weren't really too worried about it. Um, but yeah, and again, another, another, you know if anything the one thing we can say is the sectors that we're looking at and talking about here are the sectors that are still performing pretty well mm. yeah they are and rs i know from the flipping industry days what's good about rs andrew is they do an awful lot of, they do a lot of components that are quite specialized or hard to get um and it's when the customers will want it in smaller volumes like they're developing new kit and you only need a few of them because you're doing the developments you know they're not selling millions of the of, of, of specific types like samsung will do its memory chips or processor chips so they're quite that's interesting that they're seeing spend continuing but i'm kind yeah. of surprised because there's a lot of component shortages still out there and rs are the guys that will be able to get a, a hold of them in you know when you're buying in smaller volumes so yeah that's good okay. all right anything else you've got uh, quickly, Centralnic have results. Uh, these were uh, Scenic is the ticker. It's 400 million market cap. And their quarter results to March end. Uh, and they do uh, they're very much internet website related. Um, so they specialize in sales of globally of domain names, websites, they do hosting, monetized domains. Um, and, you know, managing domain names is a massively important thing because if you lose your domain names to competitors or whatever, it's you know, it's part of your IP. So they do an awful lot that's domain uh, domain related, um, but also an element of advertising related. But they had their quarterly revenues were up uh, 80. Well, they, they were, I was just more interested in what's happening at the bottom line, actually. The revenues were 86 percent, which I think i don't know if that was all organic um but their bottom line operating profit was just as it was, oh, it was up 10 million to 18.5 million um and they moved it had been making a small loss i think but it looks like they moved into a net profit as well um so it was a again it was just looking at where market spend is occurring really uh, and what areas of tech and clearly 
clearly where you're trying to manage you know websites and domains are a key part of of, of ip for any company um but they've certainly seen spend continuing in that area very good uh, yeah and only other quick one for me well two quick ones frontier ip uh one of our clients um and they have uh their stakes in technology companies and they earn it by providing um services to those tech companies i helping them developing their business commercialization services and they have i think 19 companies in their portfolio and uh, frontier ip fip is the ticker and uh, one of their portfolio companies uh cambridge raman imaging uh, has raised um has raised a million pounds uh and their imaging tech is uh going to be used for uh diagnostics in um cancer treatment but frontiers really we like frontier ip obviously it is a client of ours but they um their portfolio of tech companies are mainly spin out from leading uk universities including including cambridge university so they have that and then finally for me judges scientific jdg it's a 480 million market cap and i've known this company for a long long time it's a classic portfolio company of scientific instrumentation um, and they acquire and they build and they serve their instruments going to the education markets into research development institutes big scientific community spend on their equipment and manufacturers um and it's they acquired a company called geotech and this is in non-destructive analysis of geological cause in mining something you will know all about andrew um, and they acquired that for 80 million pounds um but judges is one that's well worth looking at because these top types of companies one of them spread up and customer spend particularly r d related spend which is more sticky than some capital spend um but also eventually in, these, in, in time we've seen time and again this type of company get acquired by bigger us multinational portfolio companies yeah a big target we love one of them right that's probably enough today um now look, i'm feeling kind you know i'm a very kind boss so i think i'll let you have next thursday off phil <laughs> that's so generous of you andrew thank you very much it is a bank holiday so it's only fair really isn't it i'm actually quite a nice boss though really now, look uh, it is obviously Jubilee uh, Bank Holiday celebrating the Queen's 70 years on the throne next weekend. So the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, hopefully everybody's going to have a really nice long weekend with lovely weather. Street parties galore. I'm the chairman of my street party. I am never being the chairman of another street party. This is the third time I've done it. I'm really, it's, I don't need the additional work. But there you go. It'll all be fun and games on the day. I'm sure I'll drink far too much. Uh, if anybody's got anything they want to talk about, any comments about what we said, please let us know uh or introduce us to new companies or if you're a company and you've listened to this and you'd like us to talk about you we'll only charge you thousands of pounds to do it no we won't we'd be delighted to talk to you please come and talk to us we always like to talk to new companies we find the whole space fascinating and we just want to be able to talk to people about it so on that note phil uh in, enjoy the rest of this week and your weekend and we'll speak again in a fortnight i look forward to catching up then have a good break andrew <laughs>